Turn your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 39. And as you turn there, just one simple question this morning. What is orange and sounds like a parrot? That would be a carrot. Orange and sounds like a parrot. It's a carrot. Amen. Glad everything, uh, everybody got that finally. Sinking in a little slow. Amen. We're going to continue our journey with Joseph this morning. And we've made it into, towards the end of chapter 39. We're going to be going into 39 and 40 this morning. And the topic that we're looking at in, in Joseph's life is injustice. And injustice is certainly a term that we hear way too often today. Amen. It's something that will just absolutely tear down our faith and plant the seeds of doubt faster than just about any other type of suffering, injustice. Now, I'll confess that on the outside looking in, many times when I see injustice and I see, you know, someone's faith falter a bit, I say to myself, you know, I can't blame them. You know, look what they're going through. You can certainly understand where they're coming from. And the same is true for this young man, Joseph, that we've been looking at. He's, you know, he has experienced just how deep injustice truly cuts. He was sold as a slave by his brothers, his own flesh and blood, sold him into slavery. He slandered and lied against with false accusations from his his boss's wife. And we ended last week as he was thrown into prison after doing the right thing. He is the poster child of injustice. Amen? None of us certainly would point a finger at Joseph if this young man's faith began to falter, would we? We certainly understand. But instead, we're going to be inspired. We're encouraged by his unwavering trust, by his unwavering faith in Almighty God. And it's my prayer, it's my desire this morning that we all let this young man, let his example encourage us when we face dark days of discouragement. Not hard to find them today, is it? I pray that he will just inspire us to not to let our faith falter in the face of persecution. Amen? Let's pick up in chapter 39. Let's go all the way down to verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the, uh, in, uh, the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. 
Whatever they, they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Let's move into chapter 40. And it came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in the custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them. Each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were uh, with, them, uh, with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, who, do you look, uh, who or why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph, and he said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though I had uh, budded, or it had budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, this is an interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed, I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all of his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So many times in our daily walk, you know, we're faced with adversity. 
we're faced with personal attacks. It's in those times that it's vitally important that we choose the proper attitude. I want us to really concentrate on that thought this morning. When we're suffering, especially being wronged by someone, that's something we can, we can certainly all relate to, isn't it? We've all been wronged. We've all had personal attacks against us. We've all had someone make up a lie about us. And from our human perspective, you know, we, we, send to, we, we tend to accept that mantra, do what's right and you're going to be rewarded. Do what's wrong and you're going to be punished, right? That's kind of the way that we see things. We, we accept that mantra as, as being right. It seems fair to us. It seems what's right. However, when we think of things in God's perspective, again, that was our, our human perspective in the flesh, but when we think of things in God's perspective, it's completely different. It's not that way. God said in Isaiah 55, verse 8, he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when we do what's right, and we still suffer, God's ways are very confusing to us, isn't it? And we see that here in the example of this young man, Joseph. He did absolutely everything right. Again, that, that mantra that we accept, he did what's right, therefore he should be rewarded. But instead, he still suffers. Now, we have to be honest here. Mistreatment doesn't just happen once and then it stops, does it? When we talk about mistreatment, most of the time it happens over and over and over. We see it prevalent everywhere around us. We're, our kids are, are about to start school this week. In schools, we see students teasing and making fun of and, and bullying other students every single day over and over and over. Husbands and wives mistreating each other over and over and over. We see dads and moms mistreating their own children. We see bosses and, and employers mistreating their employees. And I can keep going on list after list after list on and on and on about mistreatment and injustice. You know, we watch the news and how many times have we seen where, you know, a drunk driver got behind the wheel of a car and he hit another car head on. And that innocent driver of the other car is, is rushed to the hospital and they're in the ICU fighting for their life. And the drunk driver just has a couple scratches. And when it happens to us, we say, why, Lord? Why me? Or we, or we cry out and we say, why my family, Lord? Why is this happening to me? Why is it happening to us? And in all of life's hardest trials, when we're going through those darkest days, 
we need to understand that the greatest test is the test of our attitude when we're going through it. Amen. The test of our attitude. Our flesh, our our human nature, it immediately says, I'm going to get even. I'm going to get my revenge. They're going to get what's coming to them, don't we? Isn't that that how we feel? That's our flesh. That's our, our human nature saying that. But I want you to listen closely. That is the attitude of bondage. Amen? That is the attitude of bondage. It will control us. It will constrict us. And it will harden our hearts. And when we harden our heart, it affects our relationship with God. Amen? And it will consume us if we let it. If we don't keep it in check. If we don't address it. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter. Now, this is hard to swallow. We need to understand this is God's word. Listen to what he says. He says, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, again, rightly beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. This is the calling of every believer. And he says, he gives a reason. He says, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. Did you catch that? Our calling. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called. It's a rare find when we see this put in practice, isn't it? Rarely do we, as Christians, truly put this into practice. But as God says here, this is our true design. This is our calling in Christ. Let me tell you something. If there were anyone who had the right to respond, who had the right to strike back, it was God in the flesh. Amen. When sinful man beat him and mocked him and spat upon him, nailed him to a tree. But he didn't. He gave us the example of how we are to have the right attitude in that suffering. How we are to respond in that suffering. You know, when you, when you look around at the different ministries that are out there, 
those who are involved in, in those healing ministries are normally those who have suffered the deepest wounds. You ever notice that? Those who are in those, involved in those ministries are the ones that have suffered the deepest wounds. And rightly so. We, you know, we prefer to talk to someone who knows where we've been. We prefer to talk to someone who's been through it, just like we're going through it, don't we? It gives us that, that level of comfort to know that that person has been there just like us. And no doubt there is a great need for those healing ministries. And also there's no doubt that there is an abundance of qualified and experienced people to minister to those in need, those that have gone through it, those that have suffered. As difficult as injustice is to endure, again, the greater challenge is for us to choose the proper attitude. And that is an attitude that preserves our faith. That's an attitude that maintains our faith through it all. We think of Joseph. Again, he is that poster child for injustice. He is the perfect example of doing, rights, uh, doing what's right and yet still suffering. And he suffered unjustly. We, you know, we're going through his life, we're taking this journey with Joseph. And as we've seen, he's also experienced several different forms of mistreatment, hasn't he? And although there's many different ways mistreatment manifests itself, different forms that it takes, one thing we know for sure is that mistreatment is common. We've all endured it, amen? We've all been mistreated one way or another one form or another. Now, we break it down. Really, mistreatment kind of falls into three main groups. And the first group is undeserved treatment from family. Amen? We're all familiar with that. Something that, that's found even in the healthiest of families. You know, we watch TV, we see these perfect families and and we say, well, my family's not like that. Well, guess what? No family is. Amen? You know why? Because none of us are perfect. Amen? As long as none of us are perfect, then there is no perfect family. Plain and simple. We've all been hurt by the actions or the, or the tongue of a, of a family member. They've gone behind our back and they've stabbed us in the back or, or they said something about us that wasn't true. And when family does it, it cuts deeper than anything else. And why? Because when we deal with family, we expect love, not hurt, don't we? And that's why this type of mistreatment hurts the worst. And Joseph's treatment by his brothers is a perfect example. Brothers that despised him, hated him, even talked of killing him, and eventually sold him into slavery. The second type of mistreatment 
is unexpected confinement from our circumstances. When we're mistreated, we, we are confined emotionally, at the least, but sometimes also physically. Amen? Joseph, he's experiencing both. Spiritual confinement and emotional confinement, as well as physical confinement. Now, these circumstances, they confine us and they burden us down. If we haven't figured it out by now, I'm going to let you know that life isn't fair. Amen? Life isn't fair. But many circumstances are completely out of our control. And we have to accept that. We have to understand that. And understand that no matter what we did, even if we did right, many circumstances are still out of our control. We see that with Joseph. He did everything right, and yet he found himself confined, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And for most, this truth is probably the most frustrating truth, when we're not in control of everything. The third type, that's the false accusation from others. You know, we're not far from our mother's room before we find out that someone told a lie about us, aren't we? We're not on this earth very long before we find out that someone has talked behind our back about us. It starts at a very young age. But the tragedy is when the one on the receiving end should know better, right? They should know us better than to believe the lie, but yet they buy right into it, amen? We're frustrated, to say the least, when untrue gossip is spread behind our backs. We see with Joseph Potiphar's wife, her lying tongue had Joseph falsely charged with assault and thrown right into prison. And as we are seeing, just going through the life of this young man, Joseph. We see that the Bible is a real book with real, pre- with real people going through real-life situations, isn't it? Things we can all relate to. We're only two chapters into the life of Joseph, and he's already experienced all three forms of mistreatment. Amen? In two quick chapters. And in all of his mistreatment, how has he responded? He's done everything right, hasn't he? In all all three forms of mistreatment, he has done everything right. As a slave, he didn't mope about, he didn't pout around Potiphar's house and say, woe is me, what did he do? The Bible tells us that he served his master. He served Potiphar. means he worked hard. And he earned the favor of his master. 
When sexually tempted, what did he do? He said no, day after day after day, he resisted and he literally ran from the temptation. And now in prison, what does he do? Again, he works hard. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstances, he continued to work hard. And what happens? He gains the favor of the jailkeeper. He worked hard. Potiphar put him in charge of his entire estate. He's thrown into prison. He works hard there. And the jailkeeper puts him in charge of the entire prison. It's really a dungeon. Puts him in charge. He's doing everything right. But yet he's still suffering. So now comes that question. Where's God? This young man is doing everything right, and yet he's still made to suffer. Where is God in all this? You know, it's easy to see God in the good things, isn't it? Even some of the marginal things, we can still see God. But what about when the injustice comes? What about when the mistreatment comes? Again, it doesn't, it doesn't just come once and go away, does it? It's over and over and over. What about in those times? Where was God when the false accusations came and the imprisonment came? Where was God in the life of this young man when he was going through it? Look at verse 20, chapter 39. Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Where's God? Let me tell you something. He never left. Amen? God never left the side of this young man. He was there the entire time. Every mistreatment that Joseph endured, God was with him. Every false accusation that was thrown his way, God was right next to him. When he was thrown in that prison, God is right there by his side. He never left. Not only was he there, but look what the Bible says. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Amen. God showed him mercy in those circumstances. In Potiphar's house, Potiphar was his master, could have treated him any way he wanted to. But because of God's almighty hand, he found favor in Potiphar's eyes. Thrown into this dungeon, he finds favor in the eyes of the innkeeper because of the hands of God almighty. Amen? God was the one who blessed Joseph through it all. It was God's mercy and his grace during the times of his suffering. 
and praise God because of Joseph's proper attitude. Because Joseph chose to see those circumstances, see the situations that he was in through that proper perspective. Joseph was able to see the hand of God at work. And this allowed him to be used to affect all the lives around him. Amen? Think about the other slaves in Potiphar's house. Think about the example and how much of a witness Joseph was by how he worked hard. And how he served his Lord. How his faith never faltered. And now in the prison, being placed there, how he could affect the lives of those around him. Right off the bat, these two servants of Pharaoh, they have a dream. What does Joseph do? Let me tell you something about my God. He's the interpreter of dreams. Tell me your dream, and I'll interpret it for you. Let me help you out. We have to understand that sometimes God will send us to places we may not want to go. Amen? Maybe it's that apartment complex that we try to avoid. Maybe it's a certain group of people that we try to stay away from. God loves each and every one of us equally. Amen? Sometimes he sends us where we don't want to go to minister. And that's exactly what we see with Joseph. He ministered to those fellow prisoners. It was there in that prison when God became more real than ever before to Joseph. Sure. It was a false accusation that put Joseph in prison. And he had to live with that temporary physical confinement. He had to live with those physical restrictions of being in a dungeon, being in jail. But he chose not to live under emotional and spiritual confinement. He chose to have the proper attitude through those circumstances, in those situations, and he chose to trust God regardless of the situation. Amen? He chose to accept his circumstances. He understood that they were out of his control. Amen? Out of his control completely. He chose to accept where he was placed. He said, if God wanted me in prison, then I need to understand that there is a greater purpose in this place. Amen? That's the attitude he chose to accept. Joseph accepted God's plan. He accepted God's purpose for his life without anger, without argument, without moping, 
without complaint. And because of Joseph's attitude of trust, we ain't seen nothing yet, amen? God is going to use Joseph in an incredibly great way. Now we can kind of see and understand a little bit more about this young man. We can kind of see and understand a little more about mistreatment and injustice. We need to understand that God is greater than all. Amen? Justice is ultimately in his, is in his hands. We may experience a little bit of injustice on this side of eternity. But in the end, justice will prevail. Amen? We will be set free. No doubt, the Jewish Holocaust was one of the most horrific displays of hatred. Mistreatment's not even the proper word. Injustice. A man named Viktor Frankl, he was a young boy during the Holocaust, and he happened to survive this unspeakable atrocity. And in his suffering, in his confinement, he still saw freedom. Listen to what he wrote. He said, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. The last of the human freedoms. He said it was the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Attitude. It's important for us when we're going through our hardships when we're being mistreated, maybe it is injustice. Or maybe it was a consequence of a bad decision. No matter what, we need to choose the proper attitude. Amen? These two men, Joseph and this man, Victor, they've endured worse than most of us will ever have to endure. Amen? And I pray that we find great encouragement. I pray that we can find great hope in the examples of these two men. 